Hello and welcome back to Backing Paper. Uh, backing Paper is very much the Frasier to Sunny 16's Cheers. Actually, no, these both, both seem like far too good things to be applied to. Um, a highly popular spin-off. Um, although, as I think I said on a lost part a few weeks ago, we're probably more like uh, Joey to the Sunny 16 podcast friends. But look, you know, we're trying. Um, it's me here, Graham. With me, as always, the lovely Rach. Rach, how are you, dear? I am good. I'm good, thank you. I went to just go and make myself a, another cup of tea, so I was ready, um, ready for the show, because we've got quite a lot to get through today, actually. Um, and realised that my kettle would take too long to boil, so instead I just grabbed the half finished bottle of prosecco out the fridge from <laughs> our um, birthday celebrations last night and uh, brought that up instead. So uh, I'll see you in half a bottle time. <laughs> we'll see how I get on. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. And back this week by popular demand, the the crowds just went wild for Pottery Corner, and so we had to get him back again <laughs> for a second instalment. And also, embarrassingly, after getting him on and specifically saying he had Cheap Shots pictures, I forgot to talk about Dave's Cheap Shot picture. <laughs> so welcome back, Dave off of the forums, which incidentally, the forums are dead now, which is very sad we just realised. Dave off of the dead forums. <laughs> How are you doing, mate? Very well, thank you. Very well. It's great to be back. It's great to have you back uh, in a far shorter time than last time. Um, we're going to crack straight on because, as Rach said, we've got a good lot of stuff again this week, um, including the last of the uh, Cheap Shots entries for this round because we have now closed the entries for the Cheap Shots challenge. So these are the last few to go through. Um, but we're going to start with a follow-up from a Cheap Shots entry from last week, which is the one from Ben Reynolds. Uh, mm. Listeners who were listening last week may remember Ben sent in some really cool double exposures that he takes taken with an old folding camera and he just wanted to talk a bit about the uh, how he got what he wanted from that picture um, because the folding camera was not a 120 it was a Kodak camera so obviously it had to be a 620 for awkward sake so anyway Ben writes in uh, thank you for the lovely assessment I should have mentioned the film rolling journey that took place for these photos um, one instantly there's a numbered again because Ben likes bullet points one Roll 120 roll of foam pan onto a 620 reel. Two, roll film back onto a second 620 reel to get the backing paper in the right order. <laughs> Three, shoot first roll of daylight pictures. Four, roll film back to the start. Five, shoot second set of pictures at night while trying to remember the order I shot the first ones. It wasn't a simple task. The things we do for art. Thanks again <laughs> from Ben. Well, we appreciate your efforts, Ben. Uh, sterling work there. And I think well, we were all in agreement last week. We, we very much liked the um, pictures Ben got, didn't we? We did. And I remember you saying, actually, Graham, um, this is very cool because he's, he's clearly shot some during the day and then some at night. So uh, it's nice to know um, the the stages that came uh, that, that were gone through in order to create the, create the photos. So that's very cool. Yes. Yeah, that's quite the workflow he's got. Yeah. What's this? What's six twenty? Six twenty. So six twenty is essentially the same size film as one twenty roll film, but the spools are smaller. So 
So Kodak, being Kodak, um, made a load of cameras, uh, the box brownies in particular, and um, quite a few early folders uh, that used the 620 format. So 120 rolls will not quite fit in them and work, just because, you know, uh, got to capture that market. God bless Kodak. Not that they ever did that again constantly throughout their existence. Um, so There's definitely been a few um, moments where people have decided to f- try and file down their 120 spools, you know to fit mm-hmm. and things and um haven't always gone that well <laughs> i've only ever shot one roll of film through a 620 camera so far and that was a box brownie and um following some advice i saw on the internet i took um nail clippers and just trimmed off the edges of oh, um, my 120 roll from doing clip 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 worked fine the results were terrible um regardless oh, did it? it worked okay though yeah it, worked it, fine. it went through okay well yeah it went round through but um i don't know i was using uh code of color gold code of color color film 120 which i would have thought must have been expired even when i shot it um although i don't know because it was pretty much the first roll of film i shot um full stop um but the colors were <laughs> they were something uh not good not good at all um do you want to take this first entry this week rach from simon edwards Sure. So um, Simon uh, gets in touch to say, hey, Sunbeams, here are my entries for the latest round of the Cheap Shots Challenge. The first time I've actually submitting and hopefully not the last. For this round's theme, I will draw your attention to the Wikipedia definition of fine art photography. I'm glad he's done this because, uh, as you know, (laughs) uh, we've had several discussions as to what is fine art photography and uh, we're still working our way through that. So Wikipedia says... Fine art photography is photography created in accordance with the vision of the artist as photographer. It says, I should point out that I am also in possession of a 2-1 BA Honours in Fine Art from Birmingham City University, or the University of Central England as it was in the mid-90s, and is one of the oldest art schools in the country. So I've seen my fair share of the artier end of the photographic world in my time and feel qualified to wax lyrical on this theme. So here goes. It says, I chose for this round a Samsung autofocus zoom 1050 point and shoot um who's creaking in the background by the way i can hear some creaking anybody it's probably dave's old bones i would think dave <laughs> no it's more like graham on an armchair <laughs> okay rocking um, backwards and forwards is that right okay he says um that his samsung autofocus zoom cost him the princely sum of three pound fifty from a local charity shop and comes packed with different modes, including a double exposure function, which I thought would be fun to mess about with for this challenge. Ah, it's going to have some fans, I think. So he says, film-wise, I ended up using a roll of Colorama 200, which was given to me by a friend and expired Lord knows when, and cost me nothing. So even with processing and scanning uh, costs of roughly £13, I'm well under budget. So here is my artist statement or load of old Boshi. <laughs> it says, my work for many years has been centred around the mundane and the everyday. From Andy Warhol to Marcel Duchamp, um, artists have concerned themselves with taking everyday subjects and attributing significance to them. Recently, my personal photographic work has been concerned with everyday situations and places, while primarily looking for interesting compositions using light and shadow as a template. So with the camera and film I'd settled on, I endeavoured to explore these parameters in my day-to-day journeys around Crawley and Brighton. It says, photo one is a double exposure shot of a scene of roadworks in Brighton taken around late afternoon. I was interested here in the way that the barriers and cones dissect view across the road and also the interaction of the shadows, uh, which were cast in the late afternoon light. 
the double exposure distorting the scene and causing the viewer to linger further looking at the scene. Um, and photo two is again another double exposure taken much later in the day, this time early evening in Crawley. What I aim to achieve here is again a distortion of reality with the double exposure shot on top of that of the film and the camera used. What I'm exploring here is the complexities of the varying sources and levels of light available to me, from the ambient light of a late autumnal evening and the bright artificial light from the pedestrian crossing controls, the viewer is forced to linger and look deeper into a subject normally passed over without a second thought. Right, I'll shut up now and over to your good selves. I'm sure you're about to let me know exactly what you think. <laughs> Cheers and keep up the good work from Simon. Thank you, Thank you very, very much, much, Simon. So, Dave, as official describer of photographs, uh, do you want to do give a description of the first one of these two pictures? And do you know which ones you're looking at? <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> okay, so these are the colour ones. With uh, they're actually the ones we popped in last week, but didn't get to. Uh, oh yeah, yep, yep. Go on, okay. describe away. Yeah, let's go. Right, so number one, we have this must be the double exposure of his roadworks, and it's quite an interesting shot because uh, it looks like he's just moved the camera a touch, and. Um, Expose the same scene with just a tiny little bit of difference. Um, yeah, I think the, the colours are quite striking there. Um, yeah, pretty nice. Not a very good description there, was it? <laughs> no, so what, what, what are you looking at? Um, as Dave has failed horribly on the describing front. So um, you're looking at a scene where there's some of the orange plastic barriers at the foreground. And at the background, they're, they're both clearly sort of fencing off the pedestrian walkways on either side of the road. And then this is shot across the road. And in the middle of the road, there are um, some cones, some of the orange road cones. And what Simon's done, as Dave was saying, is taken the picture and then just moved just a fraction to one side and taken the picture again. So everything is doubled um, just slightly. Um, I really like just the lines and the patterns that that's made within this. It is a, a very graphic picture, um, so you really are you are just looking at the lines and the patterns rather than any of the content in particular. Although there are some people off in the top right hand corner. You're the double exposure master, uh, Dave. What's your thought on this? <clears throat> I must admit, to start off with, it didn't strike me. But the more I look at it, the the better it gets. I think that the... It, it doesn't look necessarily like a double exposure. Hey, it looks like they've got some weird double cones in the road. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's certainly arty, isn't it? He deserves his 2-1 from Birmingham. <laughs> he does, he does. All right, I'm going uh, <laughs> to... Let's click on to the next one then. So the next one is taken, as he said, much later in the day at a pedestrian crossing. Uh, it's another double exposure, uh, this time of a uh, pedestrian crossing um, control lights. So you've got a very dark scene um, and just lit up is the picture of a, a person on a bicycle and um, and then below that, another person on the bicycle. Um, it gets a very simple shot, um, but... I, I, I love the glow. I, the, the expired film has given both of these pictures a really distinct look because that colour shift is quite spectacular, isn't it? Yeah, weird sort of purple colour cast on it. it. It's an odd picture, this as well, because it looks like, I don't know, have you seen traffic, uh, the, the little button things that look like this? Normally there's just one of them, but for some reason 
looks like there's one above another here. I, I, I personal thought it was a, a four exposure. They mm-hmm. don't normally stack those those things up like that, hey? What do you think of these, Rach? <laughs> yeah, I I really like the I love the colours. I think it's really uh, the expiredness of the film has um, has lent lent itself very nicely to creating some some gorgeous sort of like deep purples and reds and things. And um, the neonness, especially of the second shot, um, is is fab. It's uh, when you kind of like glance at it, it feels a little you know the Tracy Emin thing, uh, which obviously tends to be words, but um, but with the, in this case, it's um, it's obviously symbols instead. Uh, I think the the fact that there's the two is um, they they do have some like that on crossings here in Liverpool as well, and it's for people in a wheelchair level and people at okay. a stood up level, so that you're obviously both able to to see when it's ready to cross. So he's done a similar. Um, sort of like thing here had a similar approach here where he's taken uh, one shot and then moved the camera very slightly to the left or the right to take the second shot and I actually quite like that because we're used to a double exposure being two very different images or two very different shots or uh, or what have you so with this it's almost like a stereographic kind of like Yes, idea where the, the it's 3D slightly mm. off yeah exactly um i probably said the wrong word there but you know what i mean <laughs> apologies for anybody um who, who actually know what i'm talking about <laughs> um but yeah i so i quite like that actually that um i wonder how if you were to kind of like put the two back together whether it would look 3d you know the two the 2d image interesting interesting stuff yeah yeah um, I, I think i might try this technique myself and Looking at this and thinking of the the stereo images, it reminds me, Graham, that you still have my Nashika N8000. I certainly do. I certainly do. And I've nearly used it. So you'll definitely be getting that back soon. Once you agree to swap it out for <laughs> something else that you'll lend me, um, I think I need to have to play it again. So when you're ready <laughs> to swap the, that back. Will do. The pictures from that N8000 do look um, similar to what, what these pictures are showing. That slight, slight shift. So I, I think you probably could actually get a 3D image if if he had, particularly if he had a third one and, and mm. looped it in Photoshop. Yeah, might be kind of interesting. Hmm. Definitely worth it. And again, I, I love that thing of um, making art, uh, of finding ways to make art out of just your everyday commute to work uh, and how you go about that. How do you do it? So that's, that's great stuff. Um, Dave, do you want to read the next email from Roberto Martinez? Let's give it a shot. <laughs> We're all okay. crossing our fingers well, here. <laughs> yeah, I've been practicing my reading so um but i once again didn't bother proofreading this first thing let's just jump straight in so roberto martinez says i took this picture at the museum of modern art in san francisco taken on my olympus infinity junior on expired ilford xp2 that i got in the s film trade this this is the only shot that came out since roll was apparently shot before it was traded to me oops Oh no, that's that's a real bummer. Well, <laughs> to, to do a film trade and get a roll of expo- exposed film is it's not great. Exposed expired film, yeah. <laughs> or film, but either way, not yeah. the best. <laughs> oh. Yeah, an S film trade. That sounds intriguing. I think that's a, a typo. What? I think it's supposed to be a film trade. You Wally. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I was wondering what the S could. <laughs> possibly stand for in that trade um i look forward to seeing these pictures so here's his artist statements these days life is a constant rush information is thrown 
at us constantly with life running at 100 miles per hour constantly it's very easy to get lost this picture represents the hectic nature of the human mind which builds up every day with more tasks to complete the rush of the rat race and trying to get ahead with all this said we must remember to think and take time for ourselves to clean up this board of writing and start every day with a blank slate yeah, I like the other statement. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, yeah, no, it's good. I'm, I'm nice. looking forward to now looking at the picture and seeing yeah, uh, how that conveys. Quick, uh, quick check. Is it the one labelled 456100003? Let me, I will tell you in just one second. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Yay! <laughs> Excellent. Oh. Well, you see, the good thing is that I could tell which one it was from the artist state. Yes, that's Otherwise, a I would have had no idea. So, do you want to describe yes. this one then, Rach? Seeing as you, it uh, immediately stood stood out to you as fitting that brief. Yeah, I mean, I'm not entirely sure what the board itself is. It's it's a very kind of like abstract image. It's monochrome, um, and it's uh, basically it looks like a lot of different kinds of mark making, scribble, and um, uh, gem- generally different sort of like shapes and things, dots, lines, all sorts of things on on a board. Um, which is all very much like layered up over some other kind of pixely texture behind. Um, and yeah, it kind of looks like a, a cross between graffiti and some kind of uh board or like stream of consciousness writing where you can't actually read somebody's right handwriting, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Dobson's note. <laughs> doctor's <Possibly>. note, yes. <laughs> but a very very crowded doctor doctor's note. yeah so where where a hundred different doctors have written over the top of each other <laughs> that's kind of how it looks really but yeah i really like the uh i'm a big fan of different sort of like mark making and abstract imagery and things anyway and i think this is just really nice it's very chaotic taking into mm. account what he was saying about his his artist statement um it, it is very chaotic and it's um what I like about the picture is that it's one of those ones that you could easily pass over at first glance go, yeah, that's just a picture of some mess. But it's a bit like looking up at clouds in the sky. The longer you look at it, the more your your brain will just start trying to make patterns out of the pictures and um, and you'll start seeing things in there that w- were never intentional um, because it, is, it does seem to be very... Um, very random and haphazard in a way that's actually quite hard to even imagine how it happened because randomness like that just doesn't generally happen um but you do start to see sort of patterns and shapes kind of emerge uh so um yeah it's all good what do you think dave i i like this one a lot it, um i agree with you it's got a touch of the what's it called rush is it with those sort of blobs that the psychologist might give you what do you see in this picture, Graham, any uh, forms jumping out at you? Um, well, it does. It looks almost like a human torso down towards the bottom right hand uh, side. It's beams, isn't it? I was, I was thinking that as well. Um, yeah, this is great. It, it's got a touch of uh, maybe Jackson Pollock about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this one. This is probably my favourite so far. No idea what it is, um, but I, I, I really like it. Do you yeah. think that little bright bit's a, a flash? reflection quite possibly yeah um from maybe it's some sort of reflective board like almost like a whiteboard or something perhaps but because he shot it in monochrome you can't really tell um and i wonder if the marks and the scribbles all over it were are actually in black pen or if they're all sorts of different colors 
um, as well. And I wonder how, obviously, it was a choice to choose a black and white film. Um, but I wonder how it would come across and whether it would come across as well if it wasn't in monochrome. So, uh, yeah, it's mm. interesting the choices we make as an artist. Very much so, very much so. Cool picture. Okay, um, let's look at the next one. Uh, this one is from Dean Lastoria. Uh, Dean writes in, Dear Sunbeams, I was in despair to submit anything. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, I'd given up, and then I found this while processing my film this afternoon. I rewound backing paper number three and found the deadline was today. I'm sure it said Saturday midnight wherever you are. If I am too late... My apologies. You are not too late, Dean. Don't worry. Uh, statement. And the title is Old Ply, Old Folder. Artists take risks, especially if there is a performative element in the art making. Photographers often do not have to worry as the risks are averaged out over multiple frames. The beauty of a cheap camera is that the risk is reintroduced with various flaws in old gear and the frame rate does not give much room for error. Further, the act of opening up an old folder and pointing to the object and then at the subject's camera for consent is part of the performance. With an old camera, especially with mouldy bellows, the artist's <laughs> subject's position can move from voyeur to mountbank ending in Rodnell rather than snake or I'm not sure, is it mountebank? I don't know how you say that word. Anyway. Montbank. Mont Mont anyway. I'm not sure. <laughs> as the plywood resounds here, the bellows act as an optical accordion. Uh, Vito Acconci's blink suggests a sort of automatic dance, and though I have been playing with this idea, I can't claim this image was a direct result. To me, Acconci's... I'm apologies if I'm saying this completely wrong. Again, Dean, you've really thrown me under a bus here. Acconci's blink's ethos <laughs> means carrying a camera and essentially triggering the shutter every time you blink is a good primer in Gosh. carrying your camera and not being afraid to use it. It prepares you for the photographic performance when opportunity presents or is made. Uh, and it's a diptych um, photographed on Kodak T-Max and scammed on an Epson V600. So um, there you go. Some food for thought there about the performative element of going out with a uh, an old bellows camera. Um, so the diptych should be nice and easy for us to spot. That one's going to stand up quite well because we haven't seen much in the diptychs. Uh, is it called uh, Image One? I'm just looking at thumbnails at the moment. Uh, no, it's, no. it's Lestoria. Uh, it's, sorry, hold on one it's second. It's the only dipstick. dipstick. Oh, I found it. There it is. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I couldn't see. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Cool. So, ah. so as Dean was saying, about the performative, performative element of it. So um, this uh, diptych is two six by six. Oh, well, two one by one, whatever size. But let's get six by six um, shots uh, taken... Uh, what looks like um, a oh, well, we can see what it is. World Art Center. I'm yeah. going to say. <laughs> yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, in a cafeteria <laughs> area, um, a on a, a patio cafe pate. God, good grief! Cafe patio area. Oh, that was hard to say. Than I thought it was going to be. Um, with a subject uh, in both at the same place. Um, what, what do you think is going on here? What do you think that subject's doing? I think a jump. It's it's some sort of yeah, jump jumping for joy exercise, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely looks very happy in the first one and rather concerned in the second one. <laughs> so I'm not sure what happened mid jump, but uh, it's interesting to see the different facial expression have, having changed. And I like the format. It's um, yeah, it's nice to uh, uh, to see uh, a diptych with uh, with the sort of square format. Quite used to seeing them as the sort of like 35 mil uh, sort of. 
shape instead. So yeah, seeing the square is is interesting. Yeah, it's an odd. It's an. It's the more I look at this picture, it's an odd picture because the 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 subject is standing on a mat and he's got a pair of shoes next to him. He's obviously in the middle of doing something, and the way that the chairs are kind of arranged in like an audience fashion, it gives the impression that somebody has been or might be watching him. Uh, I'd love to know what he's up to there. Um, but very cool. Maybe, again. maybe it's y- yoga. I don't know. No, yoga doesn't really normally look like that, does it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a very small yoga mat. Yeah, it's a very small yoga mat. I like that there's an audience, but there's literally nobody in the audience. Like the chairs are there in position for somebody to be performed to, but the audience is not in existence unless they're just there and invisible. Who knows? Yeah, that's good. I have to. I I I, I like the diptych looks cool together. I wonder if it had just been the one image, the one on the right hand side where the pose is a little more bizarre because he's sort of tilting his head back um and it makes it even a little more surreal and weird i whether mm-hmm. um that might have even been better j- just that one frame for me um because the two pictures are so similar but the, the frame on the left um normalizes it a bit um whereas the frame on the right is just weird it's just a, a kind of strange pose with these non-audience there and um but still good mm-hmm. work dean like that a lot Okay, what have we got next? We have got a picture from friend of the show. Everybody's friends of our show, but Ronnie sent us in some music, so he's uh, a musical guest <laughs> from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Ronnie Brandon. Um, Rach, do you want to read this one from Ronnie? Yeah, sure. He says, Hi, Sunbeams. I hope I've sneaked this in under the wire. Given the debacle with my box brownie in the last round, I've elected to shoot a Lomo Diana for the, fir- for the fine art round of the Cheap Shots Challenge. An oxymoron, perhaps, but the camera with a roll of portrait 160 stands me at 22 quid. That's pretty good, isn't it? So that's that's around the, around the right price. Plus, there's some ponderous waffle attached to further qualify my submission. Thanks, Ronnie. We uh, we know ponderous waffle well on the back and paper show and on general sunny 16 don't we graham <laughs> it's my uh, it's my street name ponderous waffle is it your area of, <laughs> ponderous waffle. i was gonna say your area of expertise yeah. uh, but i think we all managed to do that pretty well anyway ronnie's artist statement says around the turn of the 20th century with the spread of globalization modern art began to look outside of its european conventions incorporating the effects of non-western art whilst paying scant regard to their context this Primitive was seldom more than a casual touristic study of indigenous cultures, an art of the stopover that didn't pause long enough to consider language, religion or customs. This gave rise to the conventional Western view of primitive societies and their cultural products as inferior, um, homogenising the characteristics of non-Western cultural groups and normalising the encroachment of colonialism. Thanks for this, Ronnie. Um, <laughs> says, my work through the prism of the fun fair at Rill in North Wales looks at how the visual effects and cultural totems of the Native Americans have been claimed by the tenants of colonialism and assimilated so thoroughly into our culture. Further, it draws parallels with the displacement of the indigenous Welsh community in the face of growing tourism, raising questions of how the visual tropes of primitivism might be fashioned in the postmodernistic era, forging a path between Western aesthetic models and concern for local cultures, cultures and traditions. Alternatively, my artist statement could be viewed as an exercise in retrospectively applying a concept of photography lacking a context, thereby <laughs> deconstructing the premise of conceptual art in the process. <laughs> Good well luck, done. Ronnie. Oh, hang on. There's a postscript. Bloody hell, Ronnie. Okay, he says, um, don't, I am a crescent. Just reread my artist statement. 
when I'm talking about non-Western, what I really mean and should have written is non-European. Obviously, I realise America is in the West and the American Indians and the term Western have not exactly been strangers. That's what I'm for leaving things till the last minute. There yeah. we go. I thought I should add that into the uh, yeah into the email. It's always <laughs> difficult when you have to last minute bullshit your way through your bullshit. It really <laughs> you have to catch yourself. Um, we're getting a lot. I do more. enjoy. I do enjoy. He uh, he managed to mention that as well as part of his statement. Actually, I'm just attaching this <laughs> to it now. I've made this decision that that's what I'm submitting. So that's pretty good. <laughs> yes. So um, some pictures of American Indians. So, you know, look at those guys. So, two nice... So, these are from the um, Lomo the whole, Diana. Uh, sorry, Lomo Diana. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So, um, Dave, what do you think of these? Nice, colourful shots. Yeah, these... It's very Lomo, isn't it? I think um, when you when you hit it with a with a Lomo, it um, it can it can really work. And I think these, these do. Um, nice and soft around the edges. And very interesting, that first one with the... Uh, is, is this thing broken down the middle? Mm. Um, which almost looks like a tear coming out of his eye as well for for the country that we're ruining. Maybe it, it's uh, yeah, it's um, it's great. Nice picture, good colours. What film did he use in this one? This is Portra. Did he say Portra? Okay, yeah, I guess it looks quite soft because of the camera choice. Um, yeah, good. Is it fine art, Dave? No. <laughs> See, I didn't want to say that, Ronnie. I could get Dave here to be mean to people on our behalf. <laughs> They've said, the results are certainly a lot better than anything I managed to squeeze out of my debonair, my Diana clone. Um, uh, and uh, the um, I do, I do like um, the the post applied symbolism, um, especially as you said, Dave, with that first one where the the wood has split and it does um, look as though there was a tear running down this um, fairly. Uh, tropey representation of an American Indian that has been put. Um, but then it does have what looks to be... Uh, I, there's an ice cream van in the background and probably some ship's mast or something like that poking out of his head, which does slightly detract from the emotional impact of that moment. I was just thinking, um, on that shot that you're talking about, um, I had a similar reaction. If, if perhaps it was a bit closer in and it filled the frame with perhaps half half of his face so we just saw the the color and the um the shape of the carved wood face with with the crack uh, going down you know running through it without the the masts and the ice cream van or whatever behind i think that would actually be a bit have a bit more impact yeah um, mm. I, I would agree. So maybe slight, maybe just a slight change of framing on that. Or my again taking into account the um, waffle that Ronnie supplied with it. Maybe if he'd stepped back and put these um, models of American in in the context of the rest of Rill, which for anybody, and I'm sure you've been to Rill, haven't you, Rach? Um, for anybody, I have. I went in February one year. It was. Yeah. Um, it's grim. Uh, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty. Um, yeah, cold. Is, um, yeah, a gray. North Wales yeah. seaside town um, that is. <laughs> yeah, it, it ain't great. Um, but you know, if you could maybe could put some more of that in into context as to give it sort of that that jarring um, home, because without it, you kind of you don't know what it's sitting with. But we love your pictures anyway, Ronnie. <laughs> Again, despite what I may have just said, uh, I love the fact that people send in photos from me to be mean about Dave to be mean about mostly though. Um, Okay, uh, next one. Uh, do you want to take this one from Chris Mina, Dave? Sure. 
I was just actually looking at the, the second photo from Ronnie there, which um, I think is much better composed and, and yeah. better photo all round, really. Um, it, similar theme, but without so much distracting stuff yeah, in the background. It, 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 it's, it's come out better, but it just doesn't, it doesn't have much in the way of context for all of the, <laughs> all of the subtext that has been post-applied to it. <laughs> wow, that's the world of art, isn't it? So <clears throat> on to the next one, hey? Next email from Chris Mina. Yeah. Okay, Chris says, hey, Sunbeams. I went on and off with whether to submit to the fine art cheap shots, primarily because I wanted to do something rather than submit something I already made. At any rate, Mike Guttenman's email came in, and after bursting out in laughter to his greeting and nodding in <laughs> respect to his indirect reminder to us listeners that the midterms were near i'm like does he have a point about slrs and then in parentheses he says he does just one quick pause here uh, actually because um the uh laughing out loud to uh mike's uh greeting uh, was not down to Mike last week. Uh, I believe what you read out as Mike's greeting of uh, dear, what was it, backside paper? That was entirely your interpretation <laughs> of it, wasn't it, Dave? Not Mike. <laughs> Mike yeah, not only did I butcher Mike's email, I also uh, freestyled some of it as well. So um, second round of apologies to Mike for that, um, but not to you, Graham. So here's the rest of it but you to you Rachel of course thank um, you and here's the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, should we carry on with this uh, from Chris here please um, do <clears throat> he goes on to say <laughs> so here's a submission shot on Kodachrome 64 and Graham please read this part in your smart fast <laughs> tone such your regular voice please Graham I'll hand it over to you <laughs> how dare you <laughs> Uh, and it says, and on Super 8, which is not an SLR. Ha! There you go. You can carry on now. <laughs> not an SLR. Yes, so Super 8, Kodachrome. Very nice. Right, so he goes on to say, these were shot on a roll of Super 8 Kodachrome 64. I bought for $5. Mm, and a nice. camera, Minolta Super 8 camera, I got for $10. Good. Very good. I developed the role myself. Self in Cathanol, yes, Ooh. man, and scanned as a color negative instead of black and white. Can we take a second there to uh, to give him some props for using Cathanol? Yeah, what absolutely. A Trying to, uh, I was chatting to um, what's his Instagram handle, Graham uh, Grainy Blur. Yeah, mm-hmm. Alex. Yeah, I, I posted. He posted. Uh, he, he posts such good pictures. You should really get him on the show at some point. Um, and he was mentioning running out of uh, rhodanol, I think. And I suggested he cracked out the coffee and pushed on with some caffeine. Um, great developer. So, yeah, we like to see that. Super 8 cameras. I thought they were movie cameras. They are movie cameras. They are. Really? Okay, so he's just taken a, a still from... Uh, mm-hmm. Well, carry on reading and then look at the picture and you might get a feel for it. <laughs> <laughs> Finish your damn job and maybe you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I think Chris is going to enjoy how this has been read out. This is all good. Part of the fun. Okay. Right. Let's crack on. Technicalities aside, this piece is called A Local's View. Just came up with it as I typed this. And features the new World Trade Center and the Brooklyn Bridge from slightly less touristy points of view. I shall now proceed to have a bourbon in favor of Mike <laughs> and to an email from Ember that I've been delaying for ever and a week now. <laughs> 
So, so I get yeah. So uh, I always get confused in bourbon biscuits. Bourbon, 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 bourbon. Mm-hmm. Bour- bourbon are the biscuits. Bourbon is yeah. the drink. So. I guess he's going for curse. Yeah. Right. So let's have a look at the pictures then. Yeah. So this picture is is very abstract. Um, this is the very orange picture. Yes, and, um, the one that it was image one. Yes, got it. Mm, yeah. Cool. So, Rach, do you want to have a go at describing this one? Oh God. Um, <laughs> sorry, Chris. Um, I'm so bad at this. This is uh, this is a bad idea for me to be on a show backing paper where we have to describe the images because I'm so bad at it. Um, so we have one, two, three, four, five. We can see five and a half uh, strips um, of uh, Super Eight. Um, stills which is kind of it's nice it feels very much like yes it's movie it's movie film and it's and it's a kind of a capture of these five strips of the film next to each other um it's really nice to see the massive sprocket holes um as well which is very cool and as he says um they show the new world trade center or i'm not sure is it called world trade center now yeah i'm not sure exactly um but from slightly different um uh, standpoints so uh, from very far away uh, and then a bit closer a little bit closer and then relatively close so a bit like um, in a horror film where they cut from away to suddenly they're right behind you <laughs> that kind of thing um, it's nice to see the progression and the colours are amazing um, very bright um, oranges and yellows and reds and um, and I, I also can see um, some of the I don't know. Did you say it was Brooklyn Bridge? Yes. I'm not sure which which yeah. bridge. Yeah, um, you can actually see the uh, the, 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 the struts. Uh, I wouldn't. I'm not entirely sure what you'd call them, but I remember walking over the Brooklyn Bridge and seeing pretty much this shot, which is uh, which is very cool. So it's lovely to uh, to sort of see that in somebody else's work as well. Um, and uh, yeah, really atmospheric, very different from other entries that we've had. Um, and I love the colours; they're great. So very cool. What do you think of this one, then, Dave? Because this one's pretty weird, and you like weird. Yeah, and it, it ticks the boxes. Um, it, it's great, you know. It's what one a novel idea? I've not seen this done before, and using a Super 8 camera. The only thing which I haven't decided if it bugs me or not is that big old line. green line going yeah. through the top, which I I think that's a, some sort of artifact from a scanner. I, I've had that before mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. some of my pictures, uh, yeah. but it's such a mad picture there. You know, maybe maybe it adds to it. Um, maybe it doesn't. Yeah, it's it's good. Um, and Caffanol as well. He's he's done well. Do you think that this has been this is out of the scanner, or that you know he's he's tweaked this a little bit for the colours and in, in Photoshop? Or I don't know. I've never used Caffanol. You two have used Caffanol. So mm-hmm. you, does it tend to stay in the negatives? Um, I, yeah. I I have no because he said he scanned it as color. Um, yeah. But um, d- does this fit with what you'd expect from it, or um, either way? It, yeah, it does. Yeah. It does stay in the next. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think the green stripe is definitely some sort of uh, scanning artifact rather than actually what would be there. Because um, I think you just said, Dave, you've had that happen. I've had weird things like that happen um, in the scanning and things too. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I've I've not done it like this uh that chris has done where he's he's made it into the color rather than the black and white and stuff so yeah interesting it's cool yeah it's a really interesting a, a really um distinctive it's like contact it's a, sheet yeah it's it, a actually. unique take mm. and, and every row every column rather is 
essentially an identical image just repeated because it's the Sydney film going down and, and as you see it gets closer and closer and it's framed on either side by the shots of the struts of the Brooklyn Bridge yeah it's good really interesting take uh, and very um, very well done very cool but yeah I'm with David that green stripe is kind of annoying uh, make, <laughs> make that go away um, okay I think we're nearly through these for this week oh yeah we got one more and then the ones I forgot last week which is Dave's okay so this one is from Alexander Davenport uh, and he writes in hi Sunbeams please find my very definitely not late entry into the cheap shots <laughs> challenge it's only one image but it's an image that will set the fine art world on fire it wow. challenges the world's perceptions of permanence through the fleeting nature of a firework whilst juxtaposing the image capture on none other than a box brownie. Additionally, and at the risk of sparking sectarian violence the likes of which we have not seen for years, it carries the weight of 421 years of Catholic oppression by the dominant Anglican forces within a small landmass. I apologise to none. This art must get out and challenge long-held ideas. It brings to the forefront the idea that politics is fleeting, the transience of belief, the rashness of youth, all captured within the simplest of boxed mechanisms. I give you fireworks in a brownie 2A. End statement. Shot on HP5, pulled to ISO 50 with a brownie 2A on a tripod and a two-minute, roughly, exposure. Also, I believe Graham jokingly on Twitter suggested shooting Bonfire mm-hmm. Night with the Vox Brownie, <laughs> so I called his bluff and did it. Ha! All the best, and backing paper is great for my Monday morning commute. And that's from Al Dave, uh, who's at trend to the number two uh, signif on uh, Instagram and Twitter, or maybe just Twitter, I don't know. Anyway, find him there. Um so yes, uh, the subject of shooting fireworks we talked about a couple of mm. weeks ago because Robert from London Camera Project got in touch. And then there was some conversation on Twitter following on from this. Um, we tried to be relatively active on Twitter. And um, so there was a conversation spread sideways about shooting fireworks. And I and I actually, I also wanted to go and shoot fireworks on the box brownie. Um, but uh, Sinead made it abundantly clear that although we did go to the fireworks, that I was not allowed to take a tripod with me. <laughs> So, uh, so I didn't get to do that, which is a bit of a shame. Um, so let's have a look at this picture of fireworks shot on a box brownie with film pulled to um, 50 ISO um, to get a maximum. So this is pretty spectacular. 400. It's so good. I love this shot so much. Um, I think somebody else, I don't know who, but in com- is part of this sort of Twitter feed or conversation or what have you. I saw that they'd said that they showed it to a friend and that it looked like somebody had spilt some um, fragments of chalk on a piece of black paper and then blown them Mm, mm. so that it kind of just, it gives that amazing um, sort of very much of a a movement effect um, with like the little pieces, little bursts of chalk uh, creating the light relief to the the very dark black background. So uh, yeah, I love it. So, so cool. It was very abstract. Um, as well but you kind of you can work out that it obviously it's fireworks but it also has a bit of a feel of um uh like pampas grass or something yeah. as well you know it could be it could be leaves it could be um sorry it could be um uh like grass or something like that um and uh yeah just really really nice and amazingly you know well done on a you know box brownie and stuff so i love that he took that challenge that you sort of jokingly jokingly said and was like yeah well sod it i'm gonna do it so uh yeah well done brilliant brilliant stuff 
because um, it was a long exposure, obviously there's a quite it's a very chaotic picture. There's a mm. lot of fireworks captured in this. Uh, and what I would never would have thought of is shooting um, fireworks on black and white. Um, you always think, well, if, if you're going to shoot fireworks, shoot color because you want to get the fireworks color. But actually, I think going with black and white was the perfect choice for this because if it had been color, it would have been too much. It would have been just mm-hmm. a really overwhelming mess. Whereas, as you said, with it being black and white, you've just got this contrast and uh, that analogy of chalk blown across and chalk lines on a piece of dark paper uh, is great it reminds me a bit of the one we were looking at earlier um that shot um from i think roberto martinez of the um the mark making on the wall um mm-hmm. uh, uh in that self same way um yeah fun picture what do you think of this one dave Ooh. ah <laughs> Fireworks sounds. Um, I, yeah, I like it. Um, it's uh, uh, there's a few fun things. I think uh, you know, following on from the the chalk or maybe the grasses. I think this smells a little bit like when you might put iron filings on a piece of paper. Yeah, when we're in school and they all sort of dance around a little bit. So it's fun how it it makes you think of all these things apart from fireworks. Um, the grain's pretty good in it, isn't it? In the in the yeah. top right, I like how the the left side's really nice nice and dark and and then there's that awesome grain how does pulling the film affect the grain you photo people you must know this well it doesn't seem to have affected it a great deal i mean i guess there's a limit to how fine a grain you're going to get to hp5 and i know that pushing it will increase the size generally but um yeah i don't know i'm sure somebody can write in and give us a better idea um no, I think I, it works really well in this in this image. It's just, yeah, it's great. Mm. I, I will say that I like this picture of fireworks far more than I like fireworks because, as I've said to various <laughs> people, I have realised this year that I really don't care for fireworks at all. They really bore me. So this picture does not. Um, and uh, the idea of using black and white for shooting fireworks is a good one that more people should do. I think I want to see more of that in the future. That's very we cool. Ha- there was a... Um... So it's very slightly off the point, but um, I was delivering a workshop this week. One of the um, chaps in the workshop asked about astrophotography because he wanted to get some shots of the moon. Um, it's not at all my field, not my area at all. So I said, um, I will ask um, and see if anybody has some some thoughts on that. And Graham, you've you've shot some yourself already. Um, how would you go about approaching that? Because I was thinking it probably would be relatively similar to how to approach fireworks, shooting fireworks. Um, actually, it, the, there are obviously similarities, um, but mm-hmm. the main difference is when you're shooting the moon, um, the moon is actually a fairly strong source of light because it's mm-hmm. reflecting the sunlight. Um, and so you need to meter for the moon, which is usually a far shorter shutter speed than you're expecting it to be. Um, so although it's pitch black everywhere else, the moon is pretty bright. Um, and, and you want that short shutter speed because it's also moving um so if you have too long a shutter mm-hmm. speed, that will get blurred. Um, so no, that's about it, really. Uh, obviously, if you're going to try and get stuff in the foreground to make the picture more interesting, then that's a whole different ballground ball game, and you have to think about maybe lighting those separately. Um, but if you if you just want to get a good static picture of the moon, um, meter for that, and just you you could. Do it handheld if the lens isn't too long, although if you're trying to get a nice picture of the moon, you're probably mm. going to want a fairly long lens. You're still going to need a tripod. Um, 
have it not fully wide open because no lens tends to do its best at fully wide open but also don't close it down too much because you do want a short shutter speed because it's, mm. it's surprising what a clip things are moving around at um but yeah it's, it's a lot it's a lot easier than you think it's going to be because although everything else is super dark the moon is nice and bright so um so yeah it's good fun like i said anybody should have a go i don't think i've tried taking pictures or maybe not often tried taking pictures on film but um it's the same stuff applies as for anything else and um yeah it's definitely worth a go well there we go there's there's the next challenge for <laughs> for you um graham obviously with his um uh jokingly saying oh i'll go and shoot fireworks on a box brownie now it's time to uh shoot the moon on some film yeah excellent Yes, absolutely. Now we've got one last set of pictures to talk about for the Sheep Shots Challenge, which we missed last week. And what a what a crime that was. And I like these... that it's in bright red uh, text in the show notes <laughs> with an exclamation point, all in capital letters, <laughs> just to make sure that we don't miss it. <laughs> I mean, how could we? Yeah, I know, it was quite impressive that I managed to love it. So this is, of course, Dave's pictures. Uh, now, Dave, this is quite a breaking tradition for you and your pictures because this is not all uh, double exposures. Um, I feel in some ways robbed uh, by the fact that these are not all double exposures. We've only got one double exposure, uh, one long exposure, and... Um, well, a I mean, sneaky third shot. And a sneaky third <laughs> shot. A sneaky third shot. Who start off talking about the sneaky third shot, which is uh, your own interpretation of a uh, classic piece of, uh, I guess, fine art. Is it fine art? Um, a, yeah. It was in the museum, a gallery role. Yep. Um, so um, do you, Rach, do you want to describe uh, Dave's take on the Tracy Emin classic? No. Go on. You know you can. No. Um, the I I actually I did I see I think I have seen the Tracy M in bed. Um, I I went I was lucky enough actually to go and um, do a behind the scenes sort of tour of the Tate in Liverpool, um, and I saw the case that uh, well the various different cases um, that contained the various parts of the Tracy M in bed. Um, so that was that was fun and interesting and in a different way of of interacting with art by sort of seeing it all in. It kind of reduces all artwork down to packing cases because they all look exactly the same, just different sizes of packing cases. Maybe I should have taken some shots for that for my cheap shots challenge. Aha. Um, this is a concept behind it. But anyway, so Dave has uh, taken the idea of fine art um, by recreating in his own way um, the idea of uh, Tracy M in bed, um, which is um, depicted here as a, um, I guess, like a like a French dress uh, french a um welsh dresser kind of like wood uh, wooden bed um with the duvet all sort of like scrunched up um there's a, a lovely bottle of uh, jim beam uh, sitting on the floor um <laughs> there's some uh, rolling papers some tobacco pouches some a couple of books i can't quite read them um oh, one of them is about ceramics i can see that it's a ceramic something yeah it's um, a ceramic spectrum excellent, excellent. book and glaze um so pottery corner there coming into play and <laughs> there is also a big uh pot or vase uh in the corner as well some gla glazed um uh, piece of pottery and sitting on the bed uh is a laptop and the laptop is open and you can see an image of a woman is it janet street porter yes <laughs> oh well there you go so there you go it's um it's an image of janet street porter um i think she's in the middle of an interview or something on the laptop 
um, on in the middle of the bed, scrunched up in, inside the uh, the duvet. So there we go. That was my description of the photo. Did I cover it all? There's a lot going um, on in that photo. Yeah, yeah. There's most of the things there. The the second book in there is If Women Counted, which is a feminist economics mm. book that I recommend everybody read. It's um, very good. Mm. And uh, what else have we got there? Uh, yes, some some condoms around the bed as well. Wow. I missed that. Where were they? I didn't see those at all. Uh, one's on the pot. Uh, they're hard oh, to yes. see. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, lovely. Other ones <laughs> in the, uh, draped over the corner of the laptop screen. Oh, right. I see. Very nice. Um, so that I raises- see... <laughs> mm. uh, I see that you are also of the the Graham School of Thought with the uh, negatives um, having quite a lot of artifacts on them. Perhaps some difficulties with drying them and there being um, some dust and things around. Perhaps. Yeah, left all the jazz on this one. I thought it uh, it just sort of well. I mean, it's a ropey picture anyway, so there wasn't much to take away from it. But I. Actually, the negatives are clean. This is the first time in my life that I used one of those squeegee things. You know, the, the squeegee mm-hmm. scissors? No. Um, oh, no. Beautifully clean negatives. Um, but the classic problem is uh, it's my scanner. I've, I've been to this movie before and spent ages cleaning negatives. Um, all I need to do is wipe down the scanner because um, the negatives are beautifully clean, but the scanner's full of crap. So ah. <laughs> yeah, that's where all that comes from. It, it does. It does. So, okay. Uh, why did you take this picture? Why did you make this picture? Because this isn't the picture that I mean. Well, I'm hoping this isn't the picture that just happened. Because honestly, if, <laughs> if that is the de facto look of your sleeping arrangements with a laptop screen with Janet Sweetwater <laughs> and a condom draped over it, then um, that's deeply upsetting. Um, so, why did you take this picture? Uh, it's a good question, and I'm asking myself that right now. Um, <laughs> I think I was trying to explore the relationship between myself and street porter in a in a sexual context, um, whilst also shamelessly ripping off something which is considered to be art, which is the Tracy M in bed. It's good though. I like I like the thought that's gone into it. You, I mean, with the books and everything you put in there, everything has been placed for a reason, uh, and I like that a lot, Dave. I like that a lot. Um, and it was instantly recognisable for what it is as well. Uh, it was. It, I mean, I suppose anybody who's had the um, opportunity to see uh, Tracy Evans the bed um, will look at it and go, "Oh yes, that's what this is." Kind of. So yeah, good stuff. <laughs> Very good stuff, and I love the nice pinch mark on the film as well. That you put a great big smush in there. <laughs> good yeah. CD. Yeah, that was that was really bad. The um, that's that's the uh, I, I take such few photos nowadays that I keep on forgetting that my little twisty roller thing. What's it called? The film spool? Is it that you wind the film onto? Um, it's really, really jammy, and it kind of you've really got to twist it, and uh, it kinked the film. And the film all sprung off, um, so I kind of just smashed it back on there because it was towards the end, um, <laughs> and went ahead and left it there for art reasons, darling. We love the the care that you've clearly taken to uh, to take part in this. Thank you, thank you, Dave. It's uh, much appreciated. <laughs> okay, so let's look at let's so, look at the next one of yes. these. So, so two two more here. So the first one was a very constructed picture. The second one, uh, you've used uh, a nice 
long exposure, which doesn't want to come up now. We can't picture. Okay, there you go. It's such a massive file you've been sent me. Um, so this, as anybody who has listened to uh, last week's episode will know, you are very much into your pottery. So this is a picture, I'm guessing, of you. Uh, uh, well, of your potter's wheel and your hands, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's me throwing mm-hmm. the pot. 30 second exposure. Yeah, I really like this. This is this is the, um, because it's such a long exposure. You you are literally seeing the creation of the pot, so you can kind of see the the low bit, and then you can see it getting taller. It's hard to see without explained without seeing it. Um, that's come out really well. What's all the white stuff um, that's going on there? Yeah, no idea. Um, I don't think that is jazz from my scanner or. Uh... Um, spunky bits on the film or anything. I, I, I've got no idea what what that is. It's uh, looks like electricity coming out of my fingers or something. But do you do, uh, you, do you have um, uh, any jewelry on? So sometimes if you if you wear like rings or something like that, they can leave that kind of trace. No long exposure. No, no? nothing. Hmm. I, I, Maybe you have very shiny shiny nails or something. Dave, yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe, but then normally when you're when you're potting, your your hands are just completely covered, covered in clay. clay. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't know why mm. what, what what that stuff is, but clay, clay but is then, quite shiny when it's wet. Yeah, so. I was going to say it's quite wet, isn't it? Presumably, so uh, maybe it's maybe it's reflection from from the the wet clay, perhaps um, mm. that you didn't expect. Hmm. Could be that. Yeah, I I like the fact you've gone with a square crop for this. I think that was a good choice. Um, Really what did you shoot it on with? Sorry, did did we discuss that? All, all of these are SFX two hundred in Rodanol at one plus one hundred for an hour. Um, standard development for me because it's easy and uh, you don't use much uh, chemistry to do it. And the camera is the awesome Minolta seven hundred SI. Oh, I remember you mentioning uh, the Minolta. I, I like the grain in this. You can really see the see the grain, um, which is uh, which is lovely too. Yeah, yeah I think good. the uh, the Rodinol stand developed sort of gives you gives you quite heavy grain. Mm. Possibly, <laughs> I don't really do much difference, so I, I don't know. If it... I think the, the SFX is a relatively grainy film anyway, but uh, no, I like it. And um, yes, the, the sort of the 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 creation of the pot is going it's a really good idea and um the movement of the uh the wheel um with the just nice frozen um whatever the thing underneath the wheel is called the uh, what was that called uh the pan maybe uh-huh. mm, the pan. Yeah. there you go um there you go. There's, there's your pottery corner for this week, Dave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and finally, uh, and fortunately, we have got one of your patent 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 pending double exposures. Uh, again, very much leading into the art. So you really have gone with the kind of all of your fine art pictures are very much the, into the arts. So we had the reproduction of Tracy Emin's work, um, then you creating your pottery, and now. This double exposure, uh, you expl- uh, you um, describe this one, Dave, because double exposures are notoriously difficult, and uh, this one is so carefully thought out. I want you to do it justice. Yeah. Oh dear. Okay. So yeah, on, on all of these shots, I was trying to explore the relationship between photography and other art or, or craft forms, and this is painting. This one, so I I grabbed myself a, a big old black canvas uh, with liquid black painted all over it and uh, totted up the hill behind my house to 
this this tower which is swallow owl house 2000 and it's a it's a tower for barn owls to roost they roost or nest and chill out hunting in and i popped the canvas in front of the tower so that, that brick you can see in the background is is the tower and uh, and then whipped back in and took a shot and one of the you know when you're doing double exposures it's kind of nice to have black areas in it because it makes various things pop a little bit more and so it was a, a beautifully sunny day um so the fs the sfx with a red filter on makes the sky go nice and black um so i think that kind of helped make it look like i was mm. painting the tower on so i've also grabbed the big old round brush there uh, and uh and it, i'm trying to make it look like i'm painting the tower it's very cool like the positioning is just perfect isn't it that you you literally have that that paintbrush resting at the top part of the of the tower so um from the long shot of the tower um the paintbrush as the double exposure um rests um very very nicely right on the on the top point of the tower so uh, yeah um do you um how how do you create your compositions in double exposure to align so well do you mask it off or do you just remember or how do you tend to do it i always uh, the minolta is a real treat of the camera for many reasons but one of them it's got these little kind of corners in it i don't mm -hmm. know what you call them you know when like you look through the viewfinder and, okay yeah kind of um you look through the viewfinder and you can see like this this kind of little corners of a of a square in there so i picked the top right hand corner for that and thought right i'm going to make the little nipple on the tower um, line up with the top right corner and then do the same with the with the paintbrush so you've got a so reference it, point yeah okay yeah, yeah yeah it really helps when you're taking double exposures of your camera when you look through the viewfinder if you've got these these kind of guides in there um it's it's really hard to do it if, if you don't mm. have that um, and, but luckily um, it's not to us Quick, quick question about exposure. Obviously, you're using SFX. So, uh, is there anything that you had to compensate for or change in terms of when you were shooting that? And um, in terms of making double exposures, anyway, for somebody who's maybe not tried it already, how do you meter for it? How do you expose for it in order to make sure that both parts of the shot come out correctly balanced? Well, we, I, I don't know actually know how the Minolta does it. Um, it's got a multiple exposure mode on it and I just stick it on that and put it in aperture priority and hope for the best. Um, but when I'm shooting on cameras that don't have any sort of digital controls on there, I generally, you know, lick my finger, stick it in the wind, um, do a sunny 16 on it all and then drop that by half. But th this, this, I just let the camera sort of put this one out. And um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's okay. I'm I'm okay with this picture. I like the I left the bits of jazz on there for this one on to tie the, the canvas, theme so together yeah. from the three images. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it kind of looked like uh, kind of almost like stars in the mm, in the yeah. sky. I, I that that Apart from the works really less well. I mean, I think point, you're pushing it a bit now. Of yeah. me. <laughs> I would definitely have rather seen this picture without that smush on it. Um, but the picture. <laughs> The picture is really good. Uh, I hate being complimentary whilst you're actually on the show, but um, anybody uh, who's listening um, should check this out. I know it's on your Instagram feed as well, um, at daverino9, um, which you didn't give out last time, but I will give it last time. Um, it is, uh, yeah, it's it's a great example of what you can do with double exposures. And 
the this is what's always impressed me about your work is that you you have a really well thought out concept which you then go and execute well um and this is this is definitely for my for me one of my favorites that you've done just because of how well the end result has come out i mean you know, it, it it does look as though you're painting you. that tower and um yeah it's cool I uh, really like it, and the, and the ethereal hand. I think using the white paintbrush has worked well because the paintbrush shows up really well, and but your hand is quite ethereal. Um, but the shadow of your hand mm. is also nice and strong in it as well. It's great. Lots going on there. Lots that I like with that. So um, well done again, Dave, with all of these pictures, well, and well done to everybody. Um, as I said at the start, we have had the cheap shots challenge for fine art is now closed for business. Um, we won't be taking any more entries from that. Uh, we will be joined, and um, we need to nail down the date yet, but we will be joined uh, either end of uh, November or early December, hopefully, uh, by Sandra Cohn, who will be joining us to... Um, she'll be picking her favourites. We'll probably do a, a top 10, I guess, or her, her 10 picks from the pictures there. We haven't discussed with Sandra yet how it's going to work, but that she will then look at and talk about on the show. And of course, talk about the host's pictures, all of which are wonderful, fantastic, and all very much taken and ready to go. So be excited about that, listeners. Um, but uh, yeah, that is going to be it for the Cheap Shots Challenge until this point. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hugely, hugely impressed by what mm -hmm. people have done with it. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't as good as what we've seen for this round. Uh, I know I said it before, but this round really has uh, blown me away with the thought and creativity that people have put into it. Um, yeah, and and the um, and the artist statements have uh, been very enlightening <laughs> too. They've so, certainly uh, been something. Thank you once again. We've thoroughly enjoyed reading through those, haven't we? Yeah. It's been it's been a lot of fun as well. It, it has indeed. It has indeed. Um, Listeners, this backing paper show, which is supposed to be a short accompaniment to uh, the Sony 16 podcast, is running really long this week. Um, mm -hmm. We have got some <laughs> great emails, um, but a couple of them are quite long. So I'm actually going to save those, if that's all right with you, Rach and Dave. I'm yep. going to save those to next week so we can properly do them justice rather than rushing through them. Um, and I'm just going to pick out a couple of bits, uh, a couple of quick bits that need mentioning. Um, the first one is, uh, if I can find it now that I'm scrolling around the place like an idiot, um, <laughs> the first one is from Mr. Kevin. Uh, and Mr. Kevin writes in to say, Dear Sunbeams, I'm listening to you describe the latest fine art entries on backing paper four, but the last entry I can see on your website is This Is Not A Pipe. Um, where are the photos? Uh, so apologies <laughs> to everybody who was listening Sorry. last week, um, wondering where all the pictures that we were talking about were. Uh, they were not on the website when the show went out. Uh, entirely my fault for being uh, late doing it. Um, all the pictures up to the ones we were talking about last week are up on the website as we say this. And I will do my very best to get the pictures that we've talked about this evening up on the website um, tonight or tomorrow um, so that they are there but apologies for that but I said go to sunny16podcast.com almost all of the pictures are up on there already the rest should be on uh, by the end of tonight um, and the other thing uh, because it is that many times of the year again just to let you all know that 127 day is coming round again so JM Golding has got in touch to remind us um, so the 7th of December is one of the many <laughs> 127 days in the year because it's a 1, 2 and a 7 in the number uh, 
and uh, JM rocks 127 film photography will feature a 127 format photographs made on December the 7th 2018 in a special exhibition everyone is invited to participate just take one uh, one one two seven format photograph on December the seventh, and send them to one two seven film photography. Um, oh, hang on, no wait, I read that wrong. Just take <laughs> this. This has been written a little confusingly. One, just take one two seven fo- format photographs on December the seventh, and two, send them to one two seven film format at gmail dot com by January the seventh, twenty nineteen. Um, you don't have to use one two seven film because obviously that's quite hard to get hold of. But you do need to use a uh, 127 camera. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we haven't heard yet how Henry is getting on with his 127 film. So Mm -hmm. you you might have to make do um, or you can cut down film or reloading or yeah. Exactly. Um, and you can find more information about all this at 127film.blogspot.com. And, uh, I did take some pictures on the last 127 day. Um, I never did any. Did you get them processed? I did, did get them processed, but they weren't well very done. good. Um, so I don't think I've shared yeah. any of them. They were a bit there. Um, so, you know, my double exposures are always a sad disappointment of, oh, just half-assed lack of thought. Double exposures really need to be carefully thought out to, to do them justice, as um, Ben and Dave and Simon have shown that that's how you get the results, not me just going, well, let's just click twice and see what happens. <laughs> um, so, yes, that's where we're going to leave it with the emails for this week. Um, we have got some great ones, including a uh, fantastic epic missive from our good friend Jeremy, Um which has actually inspired a conversation we will be having tomorrow with our guest Killian, which will come out on the show on Thursday. Um, uh, we're going to be talking to Killian from the Let's Explore magazine about some of the less spoken about subjects of film photography, rejection and criticism. So that'll be a laugh, everybody. Um, so Yay! tune in for that <laughs> on Thursday. Um, but um, as promised to Dave... Before he came on the show, hang on a second. <laughs> oh, wait, <for> everybody. <laughs> um, it's a pottery corner. It's a pottery corner. Dave is here for a pottery corner. <laughs> Dave, what's been going on in pottery corner this week? I've got nothing. <laughs> Good. Listeners, that was this episode of Pottery Corner. And so on. He made me do that. Um it doesn't take much pushing though. Um uh, is that everything we've got for this week? Ah oh, think... well, well, is that your your um submission to our theme tune um <laughs> music there, Graham? Yeah. Um... Feel free to remix that into a great theme tune for us. Fantastic. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for getting in touch. Sorry we couldn't get through more emails this week, but as I said, we really wanted to get the Cheap Shots Challenge ones tied up, so we've got a couple of clear weeks before the judging, but we will get to them all next week. Dave, thank you so much for joining us once again. It's been a pleasure, and th- thank you for that theme tune there. That um, really got the corner off to a good start. And I'd just like to remind any listeners to email any pictures of pots or ceramic discussion to to the show and uh, perhaps we can read them out in the next instalment yeah, you, the next instalment <laughs> of Pottery Corner uh, we will be back on Thursday listeners with a regular pottery free edition of the Sunny 16 podcast <laughs> until then thank you very much and goodbye thanks guys bye bye